NAD Ministerial presents Multiply, Baptize, Equip, Plant with Jose Cortez Jr. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read Welcome just a few. Welcome to <laughs> And this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. We're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. I'm Patricia, and welcome. How can newly baptized people and children play an important role in church revitalization? Find out today as our host, Jose Cortez Jr., talks to Benjamin Orion. But I start on my knees, and, and I have been in places where I was so frustrated and so tired that I was ready to throw the credentials on the table and say, you know, this just isn't worth it. But you don't make those decisions in the rash of the moment, you you go back and you get on your knees and you say, okay, God, how did you do it? Can you give me that same patience, that same endurance, that same stamina? And and God hears those prayers. And God wants to bless his children. To the pastor who's, who's struggling, that can't get their church to do anything, make it a matter of prayer. And then as you're praying about it, draw your members in and invite them to pray with you. And as you pray about it together, something will happen. Jesus never went to the masses that he didn't spend time in the mountains in prayer. That's right. And that's what we as pastors have to do, especially when we're discouraged and being challenged by the enemy. We've got lots of great actionable insights on the way. More in a moment. We want you to know that we are here as a growth resource. Go to nadministerial.com and click on podcast for everything you need to multiply your ministry. Our guest is Benjamin Orion. Here's Jose. Without a mission, a church is not a church. It's just a group of disobedient Christians hanging out. This is a quote by J.D. Greer. And um, we're here today in our Multiply podcast all the way from the campus of Andrews University. And we're at the studios of the Advent Next podcast with Kendra. Kendra, it's so good to see you back here. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, my friend and also a great pastor, Pastor Benjamin Orion. He's a lead pastor of the Springdale Seventh-day Adventist Church in Arkansas. Uh, ben, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me here today. Hey, how is it? Uh, Arkansas, Michigan? <laughs> you know, I left home yesterday. It was about 50 degrees and raining, and I got to South Bend, and it was 30 degrees and snowing, so <laughs> didn't see the sun either place. Hey, but you've been in Michigan before. You lived here before. I've lived here. I've pastored here before, so, so I, it's like coming fine, home. Right? Coming home. Okay, yeah. so you, you're good. Totally hey. good. Snow is great. People, <laughs> people of Michigan are awesome, so why not? And, and snow is, is fun. It reminds you of it, the purity of everything. It's just beautiful to wake up and see that blanket out there. I, I am different than many that I like it. I enjoy I it very much. I actually like snow as well, yeah. so uh, especially for the first two or three days, you know. About the fourth or fifth day, I'm yeah, ready for something to get else. Old, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome. Thank you. And we're here today because we want to talk a little bit about church revitalization, mm -hmm. okay? I know that you're pastoring at Springdale, uh, and tell me a little bit more about that church. Well, it's it's a, a, a historical church in that it was the first church established in the state of Arkansas that's Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, wow. Um, it was the second... Do you remember what year? 1885. 1885. And, uh, yeah, and, and at that time, Springdale had a population of about 500, and... Uh, Within a year or so, the church had about 100 attending, which means that one in five 
people in Springdale were were either Adventist or going or to the Adventist church. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty neat. And the Springdale Church also started the first Adventist school in the uh, state of Arkansas as well. Wow, wow! So you come from a very historical church, yes, and uh, that perhaps uh, has seen real good times and perhaps some difficult times. They've had some good years um, and some lean years. You know, it's it's more than 130 years now since. Um, the church was founded. The, the lifespan of a church is about 100 years, you know, between 80 to 100 years like human beings. So it's, it's, it's lived a little bit beyond they've expectations. They've gone a little bit longer. And they've had ebb and flow. They, they've had times when there were more attending, and then they had a few years where, you know, in the, in the uh, 80s and 90s, they had maybe 20 or 30 attending. Then in the early 2000s, they grew to 170 attending. Oh, wow. And uh, by the time I got there a year and a half ago, um, in August of uh, 2018, they had between 100 and 110, uh, 100 and at 110 attending. Right. So you get there, 110 attending. Um, atmosphere was good. Yeah, they had a really good spirit. They had a desire to grow. Um, this was not a. This was a church that was in decline and had plateaued. But many of the people that were attending didn't want that. They were not satisfied with that. They didn't want the church to decline and die. Correct. Correct. They wanted to leave. They really wanted to, to boost it and to have something go on. They did not just want to survive, right? That's right. That's right. They wanted to to thrive. In fact, under the previous pastor's leadership, they had been talking about doing a church plant. They had been right. talking about um, uh, branching out and doing more in the community. Uh, but the challenge was is that um, that pastor left. They were uh, over a year without a pastor, and. In the church, there began to be conflict and strife, and they okay. began to kind of have some inter-quarrel um, um, issues going on. Not major, nothing to divide the church, but but really the bottom line was is they there was no clear uh, path forward, and um, the people that had the power and the control didn't want to give any of it up, and and so there was um, some some internal struggle. So when I got there, it was it was just a matter of trying to refocus all that energy to a common goal and say this is what we need to do to move forward. So about 110. How many years ago was this? 110. No, no, 110 people in attendance. Uh, so a year and a half a ago. A year and a half ago. How yeah. are you doing now? Uh, we have two services now. Two services. And uh, first service averages between 30 and 40, and second service uh, can have as many as 150, but it averages about 120 to 130. So we serve between so 100 and, about 170, 160, 170. So you've gone from one service to two services. Yeah. Your Sabbath school attendance has also improved. Sabbath schools tripled in attendance. Tripled in attendance, yeah. right. So there is some revitalization that is taking place in this really old church. In this really old church. And, and all of that happened just kind of organically. It just um, it happened because we changed the narrative. We changed the story people were telling. We helped them to get excited about, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to go in a new direction. Children? Children. Um, the children's divisions have grown. Um, the challenge you, that you have is as kids, as, the, as those departments grow, you got to find people who are willing to go right. in. And, <laughs> and so growth creates problems, and, and right. you have to focus on but, that and work the, through that. But the growing problems are a lot better than the dying problems. That's right? right. That's right. So we'll take the growing problems anytime over the dying problems. That's right. And so the youth are starting to get more involved and more engaged and more active. All right. Well, so... Uh, here we have a church that has uh, been revitalized. Um, we have hundreds, if not thousands, of pastors in North America, Adventist pastors, who are going through a situation in which their churches are either plateauing or declining. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've asked you to come over, Ben, and talk to us a little bit, because 
And that's one of the cha challenges of Adventism in North America, declining churches, plateauing churches. And, and we have a great need for revitalization. And you're one of those pastors who have been able to lead your church uh, to be revitalized. So tell us, you know, what was the, uh, give us some of the things that you've done uh, together with your congregation to help to bring about the change and to revitalize. Yeah, so one of the most important things that you do is you, you have to help focus uh, uh, on a common goal, on a common mission. What, is, what are we really here for? Well, we, we, want the, we say we want the church to grow. We say we want new people to come in. But what does that really look like? And, and so we have to find ways to quantify this so that the members can, can embrace it. To just say we want spiritual growth or church growth, what does that really look like? We chose to focus on um, the number of lives that we were changing uh, through baptism. Right. And then the second part of that is how are we transitioning the new believer into an active ministry role in the congregation? Okay, so let's begin with baptism. Mm -hmm. uh, at times, uh, I know that we have colleagues in North America who have not had the honor or the privilege to baptize anyone in years. Mm. Um, baptism is important. Yes, you can't have church growth without it. You cannot have any church. And, and that's probably the reason why the church exists. That's right? right, that's right. We can bring people to Christ. That's right. All right. Uh, at times I have even heard people talking in favor of discipleship uh, and in the same mouthful they talk against baptisms. Yeah. Okay, you cannot make disciples. On, no, you need to baptize them. That's baptize right. them first, right? That's right. That's right. So to you, baptisms is, is a key thing. It's, it's the most important thing. Right. This, is, this is the fulfillment of uh, Jesus' command to go and, and make disciples, baptizing them, right? right? And so we talk about baptism all the time. We talk about it almost every week. Okay. And who's, who's being baptized, who's not made a decision, who needs to make a decision, um, who do you know that needs to have Jesus in their life? Mentioned that from the front. And I talk about it Preach. from the front, right in the sermons. When I'm finishing a, Make appeals. Um, a sermon, yes. Um, when I'm in the baptismal tank. Right. Um, a couple of years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, listen, he said, what I started doing is, he said, I started telling the congregation that um, somebody needs to be in the tank every two months. And, and he said, um, what I did is I, I filled the baptismal tank, and one month we were supposed to have a baptism, but we didn't. So he said, I went and got in the tank and said, who's okay. supposed to be here with me? Well, I got my wheels turning, and I said, man, I'm doing this all wrong. And so I went to my church, and I said, forget this every other month bit. Let's go every month. We need to have somebody in the tank. And, and, and we made it a matter of prayer. We said, Lord, there are people out there. That's right. Um, who need to be baptized. Who need to be baptized. There are probably people in our congregation we don't know about because we haven't talked about it. That's right. So we just started talking about it. We started getting actively engaged uh, in, in saying, hey, we're going to have baptisms. What does that look like? And then I, I told the elders and I told the church from the front, I said, guys, if, if we don't have a baptism, I'm, st I'm still filling the tank and I'm going to go get in it and you're going to feel really dumb when I do, you know? <laughs> and they just kind of laughed and chuckled just like you did. But, but it was funny because I never had to go in the tank alone. And that right. first year that we started praying for that, we had at least one and some, most of the time multiple baptisms every month of the year. So you've baptized people on a regular basis in your church. We, we do. And in fact, I don't just baptize them on Sabbath. I baptize them when they ask to be baptized. Right. Yeah, we so, have some pastors that wait till they have 10 or 5 or they want to make a big deal and invite people in and all of that. You baptize them when they, when they make the when they're When they're ready, yeah. yeah. There, there are pastors that say, well, we're going to have once a month, we have our, our new member Sabbath. 
every Sabbath is a good Sabbath for a new member. Every Sabbath. And, uh, and, and I had a church member here recently that came to me and said, hey, uh, my birthday is on Thursday. Can I be baptized on Thursday? And why I not? said, sure, why not? <laughs> so I called my deacon. I said, hey, I need you to fill the tank for Thursday. And he goes, why Thursday? I said, because <laughs> that's what she asked for, you know? Probably the and first so. Thursday baptism in the history of that church, maybe. We don't know. We don't know. But uh, we've since then, we've had baptisms on Tuesdays and Sundays and Thursdays. And, Sundays and Tuesdays, and, huh? Yeah, we just, whatever day they so, dear colleague listening to us right now or watching us, baptize them when they make that decision, right? When they're ready, you mean? make it as, listen, you got to clear them as quick as you can. And, and, and I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that we don't talk about what it means to be a church member. Sure. I don't want people to misunderstand that we're just baptizing whoever. Okay. We're not doing that. We're actually taking the time to disciple them and disciple them. But you're not blocking them either, right? But we're not Facilitating. blocking Facilitating. That's right. That's right. And do they have a firm grasp of 28 doctrines when they're baptized? Maybe not, but they clearly understand the Sabbath. Yeah. They clearly understand what it means to be a servant of God. And then when they're baptized, we put them into um, a class, and we call it at our church, Christianity 101, where they're learning the basic teachings of the church. And the so Bible. baptism is a birth. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then the discipleship follows, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing. Uh, so let's go. Baptism is really important for revitalizing a church because you bring a new life, new blood. What's next? So once you've got all this new baptism growth happening, you have to empower those people in ministry. You have to help them to make the transition from new believer to new uh, service. And, and a lot of pastors equate revitalization with um, uh, seats in the seats. Okay. And and I recently read an article where we need to not worry about seating capacity. We need to worry about sending, sending capacity. Mm -hmm. That's right. How many people can we get involved in ministry? If the ministry of the church is happening on the shoulders of 20 people, then by the end of this year, we need to have 40 people doing it. Awesome. And 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 next year, increase it even more. And that is also part of the discipleship process, right? Absolutely. Because some people believe discipleship to be just head knowledge. That's right. And but if you have a lot of head knowledge and you're not doing anything, are you really a disciple? You're, you're not really doing anything. And, and <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and I talk about worship that way too. If you're not thinking about what you're doing, then how are you actually worshiping? Just because you're sitting in church doesn't mean you're worshiping right. God. And so we, we try try to be intentionally thoughtful of these things. And, and so we get people involved. And part of that is just empowering them. So for example, um, my first evangelistic meeting in the church, I did it within six weeks of arriving there. Hey, yeah, just, you know, and I told them when I interviewed, we're going to we're going to do a meeting, you know, this is yeah. how we do it. And they said, yeah, hey, we're, we're on board. And um, so I, I said, I need volunteers. Well, I had a 13-year-old kid say, hey, I'd like to be involved. And and prior to this point, she had been pushed down. The 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 um, whoever was in charge it before that, allowed to serve. they were not being allowed to serve. And I said, no, we're going to let everyone serve. And and you know, and, and it's funny because uh, it's it's not funny actually. It's very sad. This this girl came to me with her mom a few months later, and and she said, you know, a church member came to her and said, I hope you fail when you when you start. Oh my goodness. And and we had to sit there for we, an hour. We need to pray for that church member. And 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 we do. And and more reasons than that but but the bottom line is is I went and I had a visit with that individual and I said hey you know we want everybody to be involved here this is not just about one or and two we want everybody to succeed too because when, when someone succeeds the whole team succeeds right that's right that's right kids were not allowed to be up front in a uh -huh. in a leading capacity um, if they were doing a skit that was one thing but we we 
kids go up front for children's story and that was it. And I was like, come on, so guys. So kids were the future rather than the present. That's right. And I they weren't even the future because they were running them off. Oh, my goodness. And so I said, no, let's have kids involved. So now we regularly have kids up front participating and engaged and, and doing different so things. So would you say that if kids cannot be the present, they, there is no future? That's, well, and, you know, and people say, well, they have so much learning to do. I believe really? in on-the-job learning, yeah. you know, and, and, and we train them on the, and, and, and we train them in the moment because if we train them up in the way they should go when they are old, they won't depart from it. More with Jose and Benjamin in a moment. We'd love to get to know more about you and your ministry. NAD Ministerial is dedicated to your growth and success. Go to our website, nadministerial.com, click on podcast, and sign up so we can keep you connected to the best tools, the information, and events to help you multiply your effectiveness in evangelism. Oh, and make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And all of Jose's social media contacts are on the website as well. nadministerial.com. Now, back to the interview. If you wait for people to be able to do a perfect job and you never give them an opportunity to start, they will never be able to do a perfect job. Is that That's right? right? That's right. So that's right. So you involve newly baptized uh, and children, and that's part of your re revitalization strategy. It is, and and so how does that work? Well, we bat you know people say, well, we baptize all these people and they go out, right out the back yeah. door. Well, part of the reason they go out the back door is number one, they haven't made friends. Number two, they haven't been embraced. Number three, they haven't been involved. Okay. And so okay. I baptize somebody in this meeting. I have another meeting happening. We do two a year. So six months from now, there'll be another meeting. Those people that I just baptized here are now the people that are helping to organize and make the next meeting happen. So we give them a role. We give them a meaning and, and, and a reason to be a part of it. And then we also um, have tried to create family life groups. Um, they're smaller units of church members, and we put them into these smaller groups and and hopefully they will make some additional friendships within them. So kind of like small groups? Small groups, Life yeah. groups? And and some are successful and some are not. I'll, I'll just tell you that straight up. By all we, means. Uh, we, We're humans. We, 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 we set up eight and three of them took off, you know. Right. But the three that are taking off are making a difference and the eight that didn't are looking there going, well, how come we didn't get to do that? And, and so it's just a matter of vision and understanding and capacity. But by that same token, a lot of times you work with the leadership that you have and sometimes you have to make adjustments there as well so that you can facilitate the integration of new people into your congregation. Okay, so I see we have baptisms, we have discipleship, pretty much empowering them and giving them an opportunity to serve. Yeah, I see that part of that is the small groups. Uh, all right, uh, this 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 is sounding really good here, mm. and you're seeing results. And we're seeing results. Do we have any outside component outside of the walls of the church? Any service? Any yeah. Community? So you have to have community, right? Because if the church disappeared, would anybody take notice? Okay. It's a, it's a great cliche, but it, but but man, does it ring hard? And and it should just shake us to the very core to think that this church that's been there for 130 plus years, if it died tomorrow, city of Springdale wouldn't care less. They wouldn't know the difference. Wow. And so they would not even notice, probably, right? They wouldn't even notice, except that there was a for sale sign in front of the building. Wow, you know. So what we've had to do is we had to say, okay, let's get serious. What kind of community impact programs do we have going? What kind of? And I don't even want to call them programs. I just call them ministries or um, outreach um, applications. And and when I got there, they didn't really have much. Um, they had um, one program where they were taking food to one of the um, lower income schools in town and they would serve the kids a meal once a week. But what is that? I mean, you know, it, it, it's important. Don't miss, I don't want to trivialize it or, or minimize it, but 
to the average person driving down our street in front of our church and more than a thousand cars pass our street, you know, our church first thing in the morning and then in the afternoon, what is the difference that is being made? And so we said, how, how are we going to do this? And so we started looking at ways that we could make a difference. So one, we, we, we said, we need to have health fairs. We need okay. to, we need to be, um, and we, it was funny this last March, we set up in one of the biggest, um, buildings in the city of Springdale and, People come in there and out of there all the time. Very little advertising was necessary. But somebody came through and said, called the news and said, hey, you got to see what these people are doing. We got on the news, not because we let the news know we were there, but because somebody in the community was able to do it. So in other words, what I'm saying is, is and I've only been there for 18 months, and so all of the community aspects are in their infancy. But, but they're happening and people are actively thinking about it. Um, we talk about a food bank. One of my members said, hey, why don't we do this? And I said, why don't we do this? Mm -hmm. Research it. Find out what it's going to take. What are we going to have to do? Are there permits that the city requires? Are we, where are we going to get our food from? Where can we glean it from? How are we going to transport it? He's working on all that stuff awesome. as we speak. Awesome. Uh, anything else that, that has been a key component to revitalizing the church? Well, you have to change the narrative. And, and I think that's probably the, uh, one of the um, other pivotal points in the church when people feel Something like more positive yeah when when nothing's going on then what do they have to talk about yeah but if they can talk about what's going on and how the church is growing and how they're seeing new life and and the baptisms and the lives that are being changed sometimes revitalization just has to start with a change of heart from within as you're reaching to people from without you know what i'm saying and okay. and 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 so you change the narrative and you get people to start thinking positively again you do that through um uh positive um inspirational worship services you do that through um additional um, church community events where the church comes together and plays together um I used to be so upset when people would sit out in the foyer and just visit instead of coming into church. Okay. I've actually decided I'm okay with it because they're at church. Yeah, let and, them let them visit. And and that's right. And and our socialization and interactions here on earth is a foretaste of what's yeah. to come in heaven. Perhaps visiting is even a spiritual act. You know, the that's fact right. that they're actually talking and they're in church and they're uh, perhaps you that's know right. in order to. To get a blessing, not everyone needs to listen to a sermon every every That's time. That's exactly right. That's exactly so you're okay right. with that as well. Absolutely, you don't fight with your members. You love them. I just love them, and and you tell your church, let's not just be a friendly church because anybody can be a friendly church. A friendly church is the church where they walk in, they shake your hand, they smile at you. A loving church is a church that says, let me take an interest in you, let me embrace you. And uh, one of the things that we did do that to help with that is our church had a policy of helping people in need with $25. Okay. You can't even buy a tank of gas for 25 bucks. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> and so that poli policy is probably a little bit older. Yeah, and they said, well, we don't, church. <laughs> and, and, and they'd say we don't want to take we don't want people to take advantage of us. Even if they do, who's guilty? I would rather be guilty of loving them and helping them than you know the other and and so we made it a policy if somebody comes and needs help we'll help them with whatever amount they need as long as we have it within our coffers to be able to do it wow. and we set up a special fund for that so we had a lady who needed help with her rent her rent was 750 bucks we paid it right. um, you know we determined that her story was legit and and now she's in a position where um, she's able to start being involved at the church and giving Beautiful. back in different ways as well. So it makes a difference. And, and so you change the story, you change the narrative, you, you involve people, you, you help them to be inspired by what's going on. And, 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 and then most importantly, above all of that, is you do it 
from the standpoint of we're doing this for Jesus. I'm sure that all of this has brought you a little bit of trouble, but when, because when you come into a church and, and you make some changes and, and you're the leader, uh, usually you get a little bit of uh, friendly fire. It's not know, even friendly. <laughs> <laughs> friendly fire that is not that friendly. Yeah. Is it all worth it for a pastor to, to get into a re revitalization project? One of the things that I write about in, in, is in revitalization is that you, as a pastor, you have to have a thick skin. Okay. The devil does not want you to be successful. He will do everything in his power to take you out of ministry. In, in years past, I, the devil has tried unsuccessfully. Um, he's trying again now um, as we speak to um, turn the tide um, uh, against me because I believe that he knows that um, uh, God wants to do something special, not just in me, but in all of us and exactly. in our church. And, and, and so um, usually that it's not friendly fire because it's coming from church members and they will use what I call spiritual speak mm -hmm. uh, to justify what they're saying. And they don't even realize what they're doing a lot of times. They don't realize the damage that they're doing in the church or in the congregation. And so we have to um, we have to have a thick skin. We have to have a prayerful spirit and an attitude right. to weather that. Right. I'm sorry that, you know, you have to go through some of those things, but is it worth it? Is it worth it when you see the church growing and you're in the baptismal tank with somebody, then you say, forget the rest. This is right. what it's all, all about. So what would you recommend to pastors going through a difficult time in the church right now, churches that need to be revitalized. Should they just ride the wave and, and wait till the conference assigns, men, assigns them <laughs> in a new district, or should they do something about it? Well, you know, tackle and, that. And that's that's a big can of words because sometimes you do need a fresh start, right? Okay. But but I, but laying that aside, first thing I would encourage a pastor to do is go get on your knees, pray anew, pray with a different spirit, pray with a different attitude. A lot of times, the problems that we have in life are the creation of our own doing. Yeah. And even in ministry, and we un, um, meaning we don't mean to, but we get into these situations where, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. We have to have a, a certain humility about us to say, oh, I was wrong. Let's, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Let's. But I start on my knees, and and I um, have been in places where I was so frustrated and so tired that I was ready to throw the credentials on the table and say, you know, this just isn't worth it. But but you 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 don't make those decisions in the rash of the moment, you, you go back and you get on your knees and you say, okay, God, how did you do it? Can you give me that same patience, that same endurance, that same stamina? And, and God hears those prayers right. and God wants to bless his children to the pastor who's, who's struggling that can't get their church to do anything. Make it a matter of prayer. Um, I have a colleague who came to me just six months ago after hearing my testimony about some other things that were going on in our church. He says, yeah, but I'm in a little church and I can't do that. And I said, what you can do is you can pray about it. Yeah. And then as you're praying about it, draw your members in and invite them to pray with you. And as you pray about it together, something will happen. Lo and behold, they ended up with a bunch of baptisms a couple of months after that. And he's like, I don't even know where these people came from. The difference is, is you were ready to receive them Beautiful. and you were ready to, to, to be able to uh, hear them. And, and it happened because you were in an attitude of prayer. Jesus never went to the masses that he didn't spend time in the mountains in prayer. That's right. And that's what we as pastors have to do, especially when we're discouraged and being challenged by the enemy. Thank you for that. Our time is gone. But I want to ask you one last question here. Uh, what would you say to church members, members of a church that needs to be revitalized, a plateauing church, declining church? Uh, what what could you tell them? 
they need to pray as well. <laughs> they right. need to they need to let go of their self. A lot of reasons the church gets into the trouble that it is is because we have members that like control. As pastors, we like control, mm-hmm. and when we want think we're in control of something, we're not willing to let that go. Members need to pray and say, Lord. Um, you know, the Bible says, uh, whom shall I send? They need to pray and say, Lord, here I am, send me. Well, this is Benjamin, or Ben, like I like to call him, Orion. He's a lead pastor of a Springdale Church in Arkansas. Thank you so much for your counsels here today, for your advice, and thank you for your ministry. May God bless you and everyone. This is Jose Cortez, the Multiply Podcast. I'll see you next time. Blessings. Thanks, Benjamin and Jose. Make sure you sign up for our email list and don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to connect with Jose, home base for all things multiply is nadministerial.com and click on podcast. I'm Patricia. Until next time, keep going, but most of all, keep growing. Multiply. Multiply, a best practices podcast, is a production of NAD Ministerial. Executive producer, Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hill for Anything is Possible. Produced by Kendra Arsenal with Christina Massino. Edited by Taizi Snyder.